on the wall, who's the fairest one of all? Who said that? It took y'all a second. I thought you'd just know that immediately. Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? Who said it? No, it wasn't Sleepy Beauty. Snow, the queen in Snow White. Wow, this is stump the crowd day. The queen in Snow White said, mirror, mirror on the wall. She had this magic mirror. I guess I need to go back. We've got to go basic here. Um, mirror, mirror on the wall. She had this magic mirror, and she wanted to know who the fairest one of all. Now, why did she want to know that? She wanted to be it. She wanted the magic mirror to say, oh, you fair queen of the fairest one of all. But boy, was the queen disappointed, wasn't she? Because there was someone in the land who was fairer than the queen. And so she was major league disappointed. Now, you've got to be careful when you look into a mirror, right? Because you may not like what you see. Most mirrors don't lie, but we brought one today that does. Y'all seen these? The funhouse mirror? We were playing with this last night. If you get just at the right spot... Man, my head gets like huge up here and skinny down here. Uh, Jason Stevens said, I'm skinny in that. But if you turn it this way, you know, you, you, you stretch out. So this mirror actually lies. And, and uh, we'll, we'll let you have a chance to play with this later because it's lots of fun. My kids were just giggling last night. We were doing all kinds of fun things. Now, you can get mirrors that are skinny mirrors. You can get mirrors that are fat mirrors. If you don't want the truth, you can find... A mirror that will not tell you the truth. Um, But if you want to know what you look like, then you need a mirror that tells you what you look like. Every person here checks out mirrors. Some of you are covert checkers. Walking along. Could be in the mall. Not our mall. But a good mall. You'd be walking in a mall. You see a mirror. Now, I don't know how much good that does because you really can't see much, but, you know, you want to see if there's toilet paper behind your foot. You know, you want to know that. Everybody's just laughing and pointing. You want to know why. Some of you are covert. Even in the bathroom, no one's around. You're covert because you're afraid somebody's going to see you checking yourself out in the mirror. But there are some people that are overt checkers. Never met a mirror that they didn't love. Right? They'll stop. You know, I've seen women check every hair on their head. Wouldn't take me long. Takes you a long time. Teeth, lipstick, eyes, makeup. They're just going to be in front of the mirror checking out the mirror. We all are mirror people. Now, but when we look at the mirror, sometimes we don't remember when we walk away. Or sometimes we look in the mirror, and even though the mirror is telling us the truth, We get a distorted image of what that mirror is saying. And I guess the most clear way to illustrate this, saw this years ago, is the difference in the way men and women see themselves when they look in the mirror. Here's a woman, how she looks in the mirror, here's what she sees. Right? Now here's a dude looking in the mirror, here's what he sees. Now, um, the point today is that we are, we are going to try to look into a mirror and, um, and get a true picture of what we look like. Now, the Bible says that when you and I... i got to figure out where this is. When you and I try to be right with God, when we try our stuff, it's kind of like this. All right, this isn't a very good one. 
It used to be a good one until about three weeks ago when we cut it up. And the Bible says all of our righteous deeds, everything we try to do that, that we think is good, is like filthy robes, messed up, jacked up suits that we try to put on. And the Bible says that, that we've got to choose to come to Christ. And so when we come to the cross, we make the exchange and God gives us a custom made garment. This is the one Vito Ruffolo made in Italy. That's just fun to say. Say Vito Ruffolo. I didn't buy this. It was given to me because I'm too cheap to buy one. But this is a good suit. It was given to me because clothes make the man, right? If clothes make the man, God help us. Um, because we just did a little video for you. We want you to see it's um, the history of clothing. Enjoy. Must a man walk down Before you call him a man How many seas must a white duck sail Before she sleeps in the sand Isn't how many times must the cannonballs fly Before they're forever banned the answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the
I seriously should have looked in the mirror before I allowed Drew to film that. Um, the last one, what's funny about the last one, I actually wore those clothes last week to Caleb's soccer game, and uh, that's what got this all started. I, I didn't care. Jenny said to the girl, she said, look at Daddy. He doesn't care. I had that jacket on. My bald head was cold. So anyway, um, need to look in the mirror. And, and people came in when we were filming that. Some teenagers came in. They're like, what are you doing? No, we're just filming something for our church. They're like, what kind of church do you go to? Uh, come check it out. Um, now, whether you realize it or not, God created you to be a mirror. God wants you to reflect him to a watching world. And... Adam and Eve, when God created them in the garden, they were this perfect reflection of Him. God looked down and He saw a reflection of Himself in the garden. Everything was great until they messed up, until they sinned. And they messed up their mirror. And uh, God could have gotten rid of the mirrors. And the more they sinned, the harder it was to see the image of God that was created in every human being. It was covered up, and so folks are having trouble seeing it as, as time went by. But God didn't throw out the messed up mirrors. God chose to send Jesus to fix things. John 19.30 says, it is finished. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago on Easter. The, the thing that was finished was Jesus came and he put, he, he offers us the custom made garment. But we got to take off our robes, our rags of robes of righteousness that we try to attempt to be good before God. And we have to choose to put on Christ. We've got to wear Christ. And um, when we choose to do that, we do that by asking God to be the forgiver of our sins and the leader of our lives. When we do that, then we apply the good work of Christ to our lives. He can refinish our jacked up mirrors, the reflection of him that is so messed up. Slowly but surely, when someone comes to Christ, God sends his Holy Spirit to take up residence in them. And God begins to transform them from the inside out so that eventually the reflection of Christ spills out of them and other people can see it because God sends his spirit to dwell in them. So the question today is, how's your mirror? Is it cracked with anger? Is it all fogged up with lust? Is it uh, decorated with some bling bling materialism? Is that what you're trying to do with your life? Trying to make it look good? If God were watching you over the last seven days, and he was. But if God were watching you, your attitudes, your actions, listening to the words, seeing the places you went over the last seven days, would he have seen a reflection of himself in you? Because you were created to reflect your maker. Now, even though our, our mirrors are messed up, there's this thread connecting us with our creator. And this thread is this desire to worship. God put it there himself on purpose. And he knows that if we worship anything other than him, we will be sorely disappointed. And so worshiping God, what that really means is to have a passion for God's fashion. Passion for God's fashion means we take off our righteous robes, we put on the clothing that Christ offers, and we worship him. Well, how do we worship him? Well, how do you know if you're worshiping? How do you know if you have a fashion for God's fashion? Well, you look in the mirror, God's word, the Bible, and it's a reflection of how you really look to God. And um, if you want to know whether you're wearing Christ and how you're wearing Christ, look in God's mirror. 
James 1.23 says, For if you just listen and don't obey, it is like looking at your face in a mirror, but doing nothing to improve your appearance. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you keep looking steadily into God's perfect law, the law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Now, there's a lot of people in this world that flat out ignore the Word of God. There's a whole lot more people that hear the Word of God Sunday after Sunday, walk out the door and completely forget to do what it said. The Bible says that's like someone who looks in the mirror <laughs> with their belly buttons showing from the 60s or whatever that one. I couldn't believe it when I saw my belly button. I said, that is disgusting. Um, you agree? I, I heard you. Someone whistled, but it was just in pity. Uh, verse 25 says, if you will look in the mirror and do what it says, God will bless you. Now, we spent a whole series on this, our In the Zone series. We talked about the blessing of God. It means to receive tangible things you can touch and intangible things you can't touch. Favor of God. And who in their right mind doesn't want to be blessed by the God of the universe? Um, I do, and I hope that you do, too. So why do people blow off the word of God? Why do people hear it and then forget what it says? Well, basically, it's because of pride. Um, I want us to consider two people. I need two volunteers. Thank you, ladies. I see those hands. Put, uh, Ashley, you come here. Haley, you come here. Now, we're going to... They don't have to do anything except look pretty. They can do that. Hold that. Face them. Now, these two mirrors re uh, represent two different folks. This one is going to be... Hold it this way. There you go. Look, they already did it. All right. Now, this one represents the person without Christ. The person without Christ, the Bible says, is dead in their trespasses and sins. So the reflection of God is not even there. They're not even pointing towards God. They don't acknowledge God. And so this person, every time that they choose to, to disregard God's law, because why would you follow God's law if you don't believe in him, if you don't see him? Every time you sin, it's like this layer gets put over your heart, over your life. So this person has no problem whatsoever with just numerous sexual encounters because if there's not a standard, if this isn't a standard, you just make up your own standard and the world standard says have sex with as many people as you want to have sex with. But every time you choose to do that, you get this layer of plaque put over your heart so that you sin more and more, give your body away more and more so that people cannot even tell whether... You were made in the image of God or not. Now, it doesn't just have to do with sexual encounters. Stealing. Not a big deal for this person because it benefits me. And I don't care who I steal from as long as it benefits me. I don't care who I lie to as long as it benefits me. I don't care if I gamble away my, my family's financial security, my family's financial future. As long as I get a rush, it's all about me. This person is on the throne of their life. Show that around. Just kind of show it to everybody. What kind of reflection do you get from that mirror? Not much of one. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Now, this one represents a Christian. Are you grinning? Go ahead and do the pride thing because that will actually come in. Yeah, that will come in very well. When this Christian gets proud... And says, look at me, look at me. The image of God gets blocked out. 
But see, we Christians, we do we, we excuse in ourselves a lot of stuff. Christians will say. Did you hear about so and so? I share this because we need to pray. Thinking that if you call it a prayer concern, you can gossip. God calls it gossip. And the image of Christ is, is not going to be reflected in that person. Um, we, uh, we were talking about this this week and we said that Christians will, will, will do something that they'll be judgmental in the name of Christ, even though the Bible says don't judge lest you be judged. But we'll be judgmental because what will happen is we'll be in the presence of sinners and they'll be doing something that we just can't stand. And you say to your child, we don't do that because we're better than that. And the image of Christ gets blocked out even more. Now, Christians, you know, we get proud of our kids. My child is gifted and talented. I'm sorry, yours isn't. And the image of Christ gets blocked out. You see what we do? We, we have a different set of sins, but, but I know Christians that have had just as many sexual encounters outside of marriage as non-Christians. And the problem is, you get to this point... They were both created to reflect God to a watching world. Both of you show your mirrors around. What kind of reflection do you see in their lives? None. This non-Christian is miserable. Miserable. I would venture to say this Christian is more miserable. Because they know there's got to be more to the life than what they're experiencing. They know that they are not reflecting Christ to a watching world. And, and what, what kind of person ends up like this? If we could hold up the mirror and show you. All of us, if we turn our backs on God. If we disregard the things of God. Thank you, ladies. Y'all give them a hand. Y'all were good demonstrators. And you even did pride without even me telling you. That's really, really cool. So when we sin, what happens is we get hardening of the arteries. And uh, can you tell which one was which? No, you can't. Neither can a watching world who desperately needs something real to believe in. The reason we don't make an impact for Christ is because we look just like the world. Now, you and I, if we're not careful, we are capable of anything. Uh, I've talked to many pastors and many staff members and, you know, we've we've seen people fall. We've seen people lose their families. We've seen people lose all of their their life savings to gambling, to, to stupid things. And and the smart ministers say. If I'm not careful. I can be just like that. The stupid ministers say, I would never do that. And the image of God gets marred in them. Because we've got to admit that our adversary is smarter than we are. He's, more, uh, he's stronger than we are. And we've got to be careful how we, uh, how we do this life thing. Now, here's the key. 
Christians don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. We forget that. Satan's already been defeated. And we have this victory, this power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. We have that available to us. But so many times we take our eyes off of Christ, we begin to reflect ourselves or something else, and we get in trouble. Now, if you worship anything other than God, you will be severely disappointed. In Isaiah chapter 14, we meet uh, an angel named Lucifer. Y'all ever heard that name, Lucifer? Lucifer was the highest of all the angels in heaven. And you know what his job was? Worship leader in heaven. Lucifer was the worship leader in heaven. And Lucifer said, mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the greatest of them all? But he didn't wait on the mirror to answer. He said, I am. It's me. I want to be God. You know what the Bible tells us about him? God kicked him out of heaven. And one third of all the angels were taken with him. I'm just thinking, dude, that's pretty stupid. <laughs> they went with Lucifer. They were cast out of heaven. They are the demonic forces that, that roam around this world today. And you know what their job is? This is the stated job, according to Jesus Christ, of Lucifer and all of his demonic forces. To steal, kill, and destroy the image of God in you. It's what they do. Now, they, they can't do it on their own. They tempt us to do stuff. And you and I assist this process by choosing to do what we know is wrong. Now, I'm not talking about non-Christians here. I'm talking about Christians. Non-Christians, until they come to Christ, you know, I, I, they're in a different category. But Christians who know we dim the image of Christ so that we don't reflect God to a watching world. And that is serious problems. Now, when you look into a mirror, you see how you look. To others, when we look into God's word, we see how we look to God. And I think that's why it scares us so much. So there's three things that I want you to know today. Three things I want you to take out of today. Number one, it's on your listening guide. Every person worships. Every person worships. Even the crack smoking, skirt chasing, hell bound person worships. The question is, what do you worship? Who are you reflecting? Because you're reflecting somebody or someone. And the way you use your time and your money will tell you who you're worshiping. Now, have y'all ever been someplace where somebody starts a standing ovation? Let's see your hands. Have you ever been someplace that a standing ovation happened? Now, whether you agreed with the standing ovation or not, because, you know, I, I'm kind of, I was a music major in college and, you know, I'm like, dude, you got to be good to get me off my rear to clap. But, you know, you've been, I'm, I'm not even talking about that. I'm just saying that there's some place where it, you were just overwhelmed. People stand up. Woo! Yeah. Woo! And I've seen it at I've seen it a lot at, at uh, concerts, not Christian concerts, just regular concerts. You know, back oh, back in the day, I went to Van Halen. Sammy Hagar was the warm up band. It was before he was the lead singer. Anyway, Woo! we kept clapping until they came back, did it several times. Show me your calendar and your checkbook. And I'll show you what you're giving a standing ovation. Whatever you're giving a standing ovation in your life is what you're worshiping. Now, if we are going to reflect Christ, 
we got to realize that we were created to worship. And anytime we worship anything other than Christ, we will be severely disappointed. So everyone worships. I don't care who you are. You're worshiping something. And I'm just telling you, don't waste your worship. It's too valuable. Don't waste it on anything other than God. Now, the person, job, money, whatever, it's not worth it. Second thing, every person is searching for meaning. Every person is searching for meaning. Not only does every person worship, you were created to worship. But you're all searching, we're all searching for meaning. We have this search engine on the inside. Y'all recognize this page? Just for kicks this morning, I pull, I, I pull up Google this morning and I put in purpose. I put in meaning. Don't do it. Don't do it. There's some messed up stuff on the Internet. Wikipedia comes up and talks about purpose and meaning. And then basically what it was, every site that, you know, I didn't go to every site because I don't remember is like one million two hundred fifty five thousand. The sites that I went to on the front page said, look deep within your site. One, one dude said, I can teach you your purpose in 20 minutes or less. <laughs> exactly. I was like, okay, I got to check this out. So I go down and I look at it. And basically it was start writing on a piece of paper. And I don't even remember. But I remember the third thing was, and I thought, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. He said, write down what makes you cry. And he said, keep doing that until you find your purpose. That's going to take me a lot longer than 20 minutes. I don't cry very often. Got to think about it. But everything I noticed on these websites, it's looking in. Find your purpose by looking in. No, you don't. You don't find your purpose by looking on the inside. If you're looking for purpose then you've got to look outside yourself. Because we all want life to make sense, right? Nobody wants their life to be hopeless and helpless. Um, we tend to look in the wrong places. Young man who shot up Virginia Tech, looking in the wrong place. I was reading an article this morning about him. Started when he was little. He was just sullen, withdrawn. And if you saw any of, the, any of his broadcasts, the dude was looking in, looking in, looking in. And you'll, you'll be seriously messed up if you look in. He was messed up in his thinking because he was focused on himself. And if you look inside, you'll give a distorted image to others that are watching. If you want to find purpose, don't Google the word purpose. Don't do that. Don't go looking for purpose. Look for the purpose giver. That's with a capital P. That's God, the one who created you, the one who made you. You want to know what something is designed for? Go to the one who made it. You start looking to God and you'll find out who you are. When you find your creator, you'll find you. Jesus said this. I mentioned it a while ago. John 10, 10. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. Satan is trying to destroy your purpose, trying to destroy the reflection of Christ in you. And he does that by getting you to focus on anyone other than God, yourself, something else, money, whatever. Instead of searching for purpose inside yourself, look to God and you'll find this. Become a God gazer. Here it is in 2 Corinthians 3.18. 
And all of us have had that veil removed so that we can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of God. And as the spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him and reflect his glory even more. Now, this veil, let me give you just a little bit of background. This is a this is a reference to Moses in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, um, before Jesus Christ came, God would come and he would meet with certain individuals. They would be the leaders. Later, it became the high priest. But at this time, it was Moses. Moses was the leader. God would talk to him. Moses would go tell the people what God said. Now, at this particular time, he would go up on Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is where he got the Ten Commandments. And every time he would go into the presence of God, the Bible says that when he came out, his face shone. We're not talking, you know, sunburn. We're talking it's shown with a glory that's not of this world. And it scared people. <laughs> so Moses covered his face with a veil so as not to scare people. Now, if you go in the New Testament, you eventually find out that what happens is Moses was covering his face, not just to keep from scaring people. He was covering his face so that people wouldn't see the glory of God fading on his face. Having a good time downstairs, aren't they? Wouldn't see the glory of God fading on his face. And that's a key for us to realize. When you come and you are a God gazer, the Bible says that God's Holy Spirit begins to change you so that you are a reflection of Christ. The more you gaze into God's face, the more you're a reflection of Christ. The less you gaze into God's face, the less other people see Christ in you. And so that's what we've been talking about in this thread series is that um, it takes more than one hour a week. 744 hours in a month. If you just gaze at God one hour a week and 743 hours, you don't gaze at God in this whole month. Are you going to be a reflection of Christ? No. God offers the exchange. You've got to uh, choose to put on the custom made garment. The more you gaze into his face, the more you look like him. So if you know God, you'll know your purpose. Everyone worships. Everyone's searching for meaning, for purpose. Third thing, worship is a lifestyle. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship, we said, is a passion for God's fashion. So wearing Christ is a full-time job. Some of you are really concerned that I've worn a suit two weeks in a row, and, and it's not going to be a pattern. You saw what I really looked like in the camo suit. That was, that was me. Um, so this isn't a pattern. It's just to help you remember what we're talking about here. Now, I want you to see something in Romans 14, 11. This is kind of disturbing if you're not following Christ. As I live and breathe, God says, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will tell the honest truth that I and only I am God. You see, in heaven, your mirrors will not be messed up. Uh, when you die, you and I will stand before God. And it's kind of funny that I said stand because that's not what the Bible says. When you come into the presence of, of God, he says right here, every knee will bow. When you come into the presence of God, regardless of who you were reflecting on earth, regardless of who you were worshiping on earth, whether you believe God exists does not determine whether God exists. There are consequences to our actions. And so if you choose to reject God, when you stand before God, the Bible says you're going to hit the floor and say, you're God. You are going to recognize all of the sin that has messed up your life. And if you don't know Christ, if you're not adopted into his family, 
then God says, depart from me because I don't know who you are. The only way we get to come into his presence is through what Christ did on the cross. Um, there'll be no argument about who's to blame for your sins. You'll say, I am a sinner. And by the way, that's both Christians and non-Christians. When you come into God's presence, this holiness will radiate and you will say, oh, I am messed up. And if you don't know Christ, then, then you really are messed up. So if this is the truth, and see, you've got to base your life on something. There's got to be a standard, either your standard or one that stood the test of time. This one's the one I've chosen that stood the test of time. And so this standard says you are going to bow before God. You will say he's God. Here's the key. In this life, you, you, if you reject God and say, I don't, want to, I don't want to reflect God. I want to have as much fun as possible. Party hardy till I die. I don't care who goes to hell. I'm going to party in hell with my friends. You don't understand what hell is. We'll talk about that in a few weeks, um, what hell is really like. If you reject God in this life, then you get your wish in the next life. You get to spend eternity separated from him. If, however, you say, man, I believe what this says. And in this life, you choose to be a reflection of God. You let him start to peel away all of that junk in your life. So that you reflect him. That's pretty cool. The light, you know, that's pretty good. That's exactly what we're supposed to do. The moon doesn't get to choose its reflection. You ever think of the moon decides, I don't want to reflect the sun. That's what it was created for. You and I were created to reflect God to a watching world. And if you choose in this life to reflect God, then in the next life you get to spend eternity with God. Pretty incredible thing. Now... This lifestyle thing means that Christians don't come to church to worship God. We come to church worshiping God. We don't come to New Life Community Church to glorify God. We come glorifying God because it's a lifestyle. We are doing it 24-7. Today may be your last chance to clothe yourself in Christ. I have a funeral to do this afternoon. Um, Man went in for surgery. Surgery went great. He's in recovery. His wife comes to see him. His stepson comes to see him. Doctors are completely pleased with the surgery. It was kind of a risky surgery, but everything went great. Dude had a heart attack in the recovery room, died. You don't know when your last breath will be, and today may be the last chance you have to clothe yourself in Christ. It's a choice that only you can make. Now, this lifestyle of worship. Last week, I told you that I was going to answer three questions this week. said I was going to answer the question, how can you eat steak for the glory of God? How can you reflect God while eating steak? How can you shop for the glory of God? How can you reflect God while you're shopping? Woohoo! And how can you make love to your spouse? How can you glorify God while making love to your spouse? So, let's talk about this. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. How can you eat steak for the glory of God? Well, first of all, you, you just thank God for the steak. Any steak lovers here? I am a meat and potatoes guy. You saw that on the video. You don't realize until you see yourself. If I had seen myself... Oh, anyway, um, 
I'm a steak and potatoes guy. I love steaks. You thank God for the steak. You thank God for providing the steak. You thank God for the ability to taste. You thank God that steak doesn't taste like Brussels sprouts or some cardboard or something that's good for you. You thank God for the steak. And then you enjoy. Don't overenjoy, though, because that's gluttony and you see what happens. Um, the Bible lists that as, as a sin. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of trying to work on that. I have lost a few pounds, but we got way much more to go. Uh, <laughs> number two, how can you reflect the glory of God while shopping? Well, the Bible says that every good thing and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. So every good thing you have comes from God. So you acknowledge that. You say, God, everything I have is from you. Um, you thank God for providing for you. Again, we talked about this in the zone series, in the zone. We said that God is the blesser. We are blessed. And the only reason God blesses us is to bless others. God gives you stuff because he wants you to pass that on to others. There's a difference in, in being a river or a reservoir. Reservoir hoards everything. River passes everything on. God says, I'm blessing you to be a blessing and I will give you stuff when you give it away. When I find out you can be trusted, I'll give you stuff. And we said that um, those who bring the tithe to the church and, and a lot of people who are far from God say, and I don't want to go to church because all they do is talk about money. Well, here you don't have to give any money till you join. We just tell you that up front. So just relax a second and, and don't worry about that. But if you're a member, we expect you to bring the tithe and don't get mad at me because that's what the Bible says. Tithe is 10 percent. And we said, do you want God supernaturally involved in the 90 percent that's left? Or do you want 100% of your income cursed by God? Because that's what it says in Malachi. Read, read Malachi chapter 3 if you, if you don't believe it. God says, bring the tithe, I'll bless you. Don't bring the tithe, I'll curse you. 90%, I'm going, letter A please. I'm going with letter A, 90% supernaturally blessed by God. So when you do that, when you bring the tithe, then if you pay yourself, you've got to save something. Savings don't happen accidentally. Have you all noticed that? I'll save someday. Someday comes and there's not jack in your savings account. Everything's gone on braces and gymnastics meets and soccer. And there's no savings. So if you bring the tithe to God and you pay yourself something, ideally pay yourself 10% and then live on 80%. You want to talk about freedom? I know a lot of folks that are bound by their debt. But you want to talk about freedom? Live on the 10-10-80 plan. So if you want to go on vacation, we're going to Red River this summer. We we are going to Red River on the 80 percent. Danny and I are saving for um, a cruise this fall. We are going on a cruise on the 80 percent. It's not God's money. It's not the savings money that, that that's coming out of. We are doing that within this framework and there's freedom in that. So how do you go shopping? You shop in the 80 percent. I can hear some discussions going on this afternoon. You're not shopping in the 80 percent. Well, you're not paying us 10%. We like to promote family harmony here at New Life Community Church. Um, if you can do things in the 80%, if you can buy a nice car in the 80%, do it and don't let anybody criticize you. Where we get in trouble is when we spend beyond what we bring in. And God says very clearly, don't do that. Now, I do have to say this. If you're going to go shopping, there is a point where faith and fashion collide. Can you wear... Those clothes for the glory of God. If you can't, don't buy it. 
<laughs> I mean, that, that should be a simple one. Okay, y'all are thinking. Let's, let's move on. How do you reflect God while making love to your spouse? Okay, every time I mention sex, people just go, it's the S word in church. Okay, here's the deal. Who invented sex? God. It was his idea. Man, woman, hello. God said, be fruitful and multiply. That means live it up, have children. God created sex for us to enjoy. How, how can, here's the problem with a lot of folks, a lot of churches, my churches that I grew up in, we didn't talk about sex. My family, we didn't talk about sex. The number one place that sex should be discussed is in the family. Second place it ought to be discussed is in the home. The reason a lot of people in America are messed up is because sex was not talked about in the family and in church, right? So we're going to talk about it. God created good thing. God created man and woman, it says in Genesis. And they are to cling to one another and become one flesh. That's sex. Problem is, when you take something that's ordained by God and use it in a God-forbidden way, you will never receive the blessing of God when you do that. Because if you've been one flesh with ten people, do the math. Part of your heart and your soul has been given away. The good thing about God is, if you will confess it, and, and if you cannot have sex for the with your spouse for the glory of God, begin to pray about it. Begin to confess your, your background, because I guarantee you it has to do with choices you made in the past. Because sex is a good thing. I praise God for sex. Sex brings my wife and me closer together. Here's the thing, though. Premarital sex, I've never seen it bring a couple closer together. Premarital sex usually puts incredible pressure on a relationship that would have and should have broken up had there not been sex involved. You understand what I'm saying? You just try it. Ladies, you want to find out if he's serious? Cut off the sex. He's gone. Why do you think guys test drive? All the thrill, none of the commitment. Do things God's way brings you closer together. Glory of God. Now, so we got steaks, we got shopping, we got sex. Here it is, guys. Take your wife out for steaks. Take her shopping without complaining. You're going to have sex. <laughs> Woo! For the glory of God, it doesn't get any better than that. On that note, take your registration cards.